Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Hi, how are you going? Good, thanks, Carly. How are you? Um, can I get you to introduce yourself first? Hi, I'm Michael Bonner. I'm CEO of Choice Age Care. We're primarily a clinical pharmacist organisation delivering RMMR and QM services to the aged care setting. Um, I'm a clinical pharmacist by trade. Um, so can I ask you about your thoughts about the 60-day dispensing, so the lack of consultation as evidenced by the Office of Impact Analysis report? Yeah, I think... Um, from the outset, I, I am a, a Pharmacy Guild member. I'm a, a pharmacy owner as well. Uh, however, predominantly, I'm a clinical pharmacist and involved in those clinical professional services. Um, I have, have been very concerned, as as my colleagues have been, regarding the uh, what we would say lack of consultation regarding this, you know, pretty seismic or very seismic uh, policy change. Um, so I, I think the the, the key is um, now is, is is working out where we are now, and and we've got what two and a half months to go before this is potentially implemented. So we need to really try and get the the government and and some of the key stakeholders uh, back to the table, so to speak, um, or you know more importantly, just really make sure our patients and customer base and consumers are aware of how this will impact them. What do you think are the issues that pharmacists will have arising from these announcements? Well, I think um, the the main the main issue that's been uh, raised is obviously the financial viability of the the community pharmacy network. Um, that's that's a obviously a, a major employer of pharmacists and a, and a major component of of our health infrastructure and our and and you know part of the framework that really helped Australia get through the through the pandemic, but obviously we are we are living in uh, extraordinary times um, economically, I would say. So it, it has been a, a very surprising uh, policy announcement and the impact will be obviously, you know, falling down on the, the pharmacies that are heavily dispensing reliant. Um, and look, the, the discussions around uh, pharmacies extracting themselves from a, from a dispensing reliance um, you know, business model has is not new. It's been around, you know, since I've been registered, and it's um, close to twenty years now. So, but it's obviously hard when when you know these sort of services are remunerated very well. It's, it is difficult to genuinely, um, you know, really focus on other services. So, you know, in one sense, th there's going to be a, a very significant uh, financial impact initially. Um, I am, however, confident that in the longer term and perhaps even the medium term, depending on how the reinvestment uh, pathways are established by the government, this this will be a positive outcome for the community pharmacy network and, and of course, patients. Um, so you've actually mentioned things like 60-day um, dispensing flowchart and person-centred medication management. Could you please tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think the the real focus, particularly in the care industry, residential, um, home care, and and disability setting, it, it's all about consumer directed care. It's all about person centred uh, medication management and care. And and a lot of the discussions uh, to date have have really focused on the the financial impact. And I think the best approach really to get the government and the stakeholders to 
listen at this point um, is is focused more on the, the the impact to the consumer and the patient, how this is going to affect them. Uh, when when we talk about you know how it's going to affect bottom line or gross profit, um, that's sort of in a way I think validating some of the the misperceptions the you know the government or some of the the negotiators might have around this policy you know it's it's self-interest it's vested interest which is which is opposing the 60-day policy however if we if we're framing it from okay this this is actually not going to be a a positive impact for the consumer this is actually going to be the majority of consumers at least that i deal with will will be uh worse off that's how it needs to be framed so i think with with that two and a half months to go before september one we we need to start having the the engagement with the con the consumers, the patients, and their family, and the care providers, um, and the customers in the retail setting about okay, well, is this is this dispensing uh, sixty day dispensing policy right for you? Um, the transition being moving from trying to get the politicians to change their mind to actually preparing the uh, the patients and the GPs for 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 what pathway they want to select. Uh, I've done the numbers uh, with my my client base, and we're we're looking at around fifty thousand residents in in aged care. Based on the fact that two point just two point four percent of our residents have one regular medication, two point eight percent have two regular medications, three point six percent have three, and five point two have four regular medications. Um, and based on the figure of you know thirty six PBS items creating a safety net, anyone who sits the safety net sort of around mid year is basically going to be no better off. The the flowchart I'm I'm sending out to my client base uh, this this week. Um, has has that has that flow chart for the for the consumer and the patients, the GPs to look at. This is of course based on the 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 fortunate contingency we do have where the GPs have the discretion to continue that PBS supply under a 30-day uh, script regime or a 60-day regimen. So if we look at um, if you prescribe four or more regular PBS medications, um, and that's 91.2% of our residential aged care client base, then they should stick to the 30-day dispensing um, script supply, and the GPs will have no problems negotiating that with the patients and justifying that because ultimately the, the families and the care recipients will know that it makes no difference because they'll just be paying uh, $0 for um, medications every 60 days instead of 30 days. So there's no difference in the impact there. However, we've got the residents who are taking under four regular medications, and we know that's, that, that is only 8.8% in our client base. Um, and then we have a, a few other little variables, how many PRN, PBS items they have. So 0.9% of our residents have, have three regular PBS items and, and six or more PRN as required uh, PBS items, which would still get them to that, you know, you're better off staying, staying, staying on 30-day dispensing ultimately. So that brings us to 92.1% of residents are, are not going to be any better off financially um, under a 60-day under a dispensing regimen. Um, so... The discussion there is then, well, if they are un, under four regular medications, then we need to to really identify, well, are, are you comfortable? Are you, are you able to, um, or do you have a preference to pay some of the potential weekly pharmacist service fees around packing and deliveries and after-hour supplies? We're not sure who's going to cover that cost, um, the care provider or the consumer. I know for a fact that both both of those stakeholders are not going to want to cover those costs. So if if they're willing to to cover that cost, great, they can go on sixty day dispensing. But um, ultimately, the the big benefit that that uh, the ministers are touting is the convenience factor, um, and that's certainly true. Uh, if someone's coming into the pharmacy, if they've got one chronic disease, let's say cholesterol, and and it's very sta it's under very stable management. You know, uh, someone working full time hours doesn't want to be going into the pharmacy every every month. They can do that every every two months. 
But for a nursing home resident, of course, they're not going into the pharmacies. The medications are delivered to them free of charge to their facility. Uh, so they're not benefiting from that con uh, from that convenience factor that that was a large part of the justification. Um, I was going to ask you about the 60 day dispensing on aged care patients. You've alluded to some of that now. Um, was there any more you wanted to add? Uh, well, the 60 day dispensing will, I guess, the key issue and 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 part of my communications to our, our client base, which is 25% of the sector is, okay, well, before we start working out how much we're going to need to budget to, to start paying for dose administration aids and, and deliveries, let's really, let's really have this discussion with GPs and residents first. How many, if not, you know, the vast, vast majority of our residents will be able to say on 30 days dispensing, which, which is status quo. There's, there's going to be no changes. Um, for, for that for that cohort of patients and particularly the pharmacies that are, are heavily focused on aged care supply. Um, they're the ones that are going to be impacted most by this policy change. So the 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 other issue there is okay supporting the, the government to identify appropriate uh, reinvestments of that savings they're they're receiving uh, to ensure that aged care pharmacy services can continue to be delivered in a cost effective uh, manner to to those aged care providers and and care recipients and the i guess the 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 other thing the minister has been um promoting is that you know the 60 day dispensing policy is is something that's that's in place you know all around the world and at at, at other similar jurisdictions to to Australia um but we we appear to have exemptions in places like New Zealand and Canada which are very similar to us um and also Wales uh, furthermore, there's places like British Columbia and, and British Columbia is in province in Canada is always a, a, a state or a province that I look at in terms of looking at where longer term care management, aged care management is, is going for Australia. And, and they have a they have a aged care service fee for supply pharmacies that's equivalent to 50 Australian dollars per month to for those pharmacies to provide those services. So I think the, the department needs to rapidly look at these reinvestment mechanisms that they can provide to support those aged care supply pharmacies. Another obvious one which which I have raised with the department is is uh, adapting and uh, extrapolating the community care DAA professional uh, service under the 7CPA to the residential setting. Um, and I think to be frank, it's it's discriminatory health policy that community care Patients and customers uh, are funded, or well, their pharmacies are funded, six dollars eighteen per week for their medications to be packed. Whereas in the residential setting, there's no such there's no such funding. Um, will this have a greater impact on rural um, aged care facilities or pharmacies as well? The yeah, well, I note the the department is is doubling the rural pharmacy maintenance allowance, and that that's that's a that's a good outcome uh, for for rural pharmacies. I'm I'm from outback Queensland myself, and northwest New South Wales, and and Dad was a a rural pharmacist in those areas. So, so that the the, the regional health element of all of these you know policy changes that have happened over the years have 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 been a, a have have always been a focus for me. Um, I believe that the the regional pharmacies are struggling with workforce availability availability issues. So I think that RPMA increase will will support attracting you know the, the kids out of universities to do their pre-regs in rural areas and hopefully stay um, in those settings. Um, the aged care supply elements there, um, it is going to be challenging. Um, we do expect the aged care pharmacy supply industry to to be significantly rationalised, and a lot of providers or pharmacies just to uh, 
throw up their hands and potentially walk away from from possibly their supply contracts, but certainly um, not really having a, a motivation or appetite to uh, to to pitch for services in those those communities, particularly in the regional areas. Uh, this will this will then you know rely on service turnaround problems and, and issues like that. But um, I think some of the funding that has been announced by the well the the funding redirection of the aged care on-site pharmacist program to go through community the community pharmacy network that will certainly benefit the rural pharmacies um, because they'll, they'll hopefully be able to send out one of their pharmacists um, if they're fortunate enough to, to have a you know two pharmacists um, on their on their roster you know one pharmacist can spend a couple of days out at the nursing home um, assisting with their medication management needs um, so it, it's sort of a double it's a it's a mixed a mixed bag for rural pharmacies, but certainly in the whole, it's going to be a very significant uh, impact to them nonetheless. Um, you've currently written a letter um, to the RACF um, on 60-day dispensing. Could you share some information on the letter that you've been sending out to the group? Yeah, I'm sending that out uh, this week. And, and my, my correspondence um, with, with the industry, the care industry, is at, at the, the head office organisational level via our our quarterly national MAC meetings um, and also just routine, you know, clinical updates and things like that. So um, I occasionally send through updates on on the industry and what what's happening. And obviously, the aged care pharmacy industry has had many changes over the years. So there's always little little updates. But this is, you know, the on-site pharmacist um, funding redirection of of that $350 million to the community pharmacy network did come as a very uh, disappointing um, announcement for the for the for those care providers. They were looking forward to having that that funding um, to be able to have, I guess, the autonomy over the services they receive and the pharmacists they engage, just like they employ allied health and nurses now. So um, they, they were disappointed with that, but um, they're they're now very concerned um, and obviously hearing, uh, you know, getting getting communication from their supply pharmacies around the impact that the 60-day dispensing will have on their service. And we know it's going to impact dose administration aid packing. We know it's going to impact, you know, the free deliveries um, and also after our services. Um, in discussions with with some of my colleagues in the in the supply um, pharmacy world who service the same facilities I service and we work well together, the, the sort of the cost recovery structures that are being thrown around are, are sort of six to $20 per resident per week. Um, and certainly in having discussions with Family members, residents, um, and and some of those you know head office clients, they they have no financial capacity to to weather that cost. Um, Seventy percent of aged care providers are currently operating a lot at a loss, um, so you know they're not they're not going to have the capacity to. In a, a typical size facility, that that sort of expenditures is is around eighty ninety thousand dollars. So it's it's the difference between them employing a a registered nurse to assist with the clinical care. So it, it's a major impact. Um, so the the communications are about okay we need to prepare for this but you know it's 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 not a a total catastrophe now we we can have these discussions with the GPs and say look let's identify the residents who should be staying on 30 day dispensing and that's going to drastically minimize the risk um and then there's also discussions the you know the aged care industry have their own guilds and PSAs and SHPAs and 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 um, those those entities need to be having a discussion with Canberra as well around things like, um, you know, utilising an aged care exemption for the 60-day dispensing policy, um, particularly noting that 92.7% of the residents are going to be no better off. Um, sorry, that's 92.1% of the residents will be no better off. Um, but also, you know, potentially that, you know, British Columbia remuneration methodology is very appropriate. It's, it's $50 per month 
per per bed to accommodate things like packing and deliveries. And I can certainly understand the government's perspective that dispensing shouldn't be covering deliveries and packing and after hour service. So it's it's up to the government to come up with a methodology where these services need to be to need to be continued to be delivered. Otherwise, the hospitals are going to be full of people who are missing their after hour service um, or the pharmacy is unable to make medication changes in a certain time. So they're going to be, it's, it's going to be the ambulance that gets called as a, as a response. So we need to, we need to find these other mechanisms and, and support the government to, to identify those, those mechanisms. Um, it's, it's just unfortunate. It doesn't seem that, that the, that the department or the government is particularly receptive to our, our industry bodies at, at present. I was going to ask you about the aged care funding going through community pharmacy and what some of the thoughts and discussions were in the background. But yeah, that was quite a significant announcement. Yeah, as I said, the the industry's concerned that, you know, this is a Royal Commission recommendation. You know, the, the taxpayer spent hundreds of millions of dollars to come to these recommendations, one of which uh, was that aged care providers should be funded to engage um, on-site pharmacists. Uh, there was no mention of um, in the following industry consultation paper, and this was a consultation paper developed by the Albanese uh, government under under Minister under Minister Butler. It wasn't a, a Minister Hunt liberal sort of consultation paper. There was no mention of the community pharmacy network being one of the channels to uh, fund and engage and deliver those pharmacists. Having said that, there's um, it, the the co-announcement of this funding diversion on the very same media announcement as you know taking you know introducing the 60 day dispensing does does sound like it has been a trade-off to the community pharmacy industry well you know sorry for for however many billion we're taking out of the dispensing revenues but here's 350 million dollars for aged care uh, on-site pharmacy services the practicality is the the department has specified and clarified again since then that the aged care pharmacy on-site services will be clinical in nature. They're not supposed to be, or they can't be used for dose administration aid packing or deliveries or medication devices. It needs to be clinical pharmacy services in nature. And um, from what I understand in terms of some of the KPIs and quality indicators, this uh, funding will be you know, heavily reliant and aligned to on-site pharmacist hours. So it's not a commercial model uh, for the community pharmacy network to deploy. It's certainly no compensation for reduced revenue. And, and at this point, it's it seems to have few uh, few people that are in favour of, of that funding diversion. The community pharmacies don't want it. Um, the aged care providers were hoping to have it. The GPs, you know, the, the GP groups, they were hoping it was going through the primary health networks, which was certainly a, a concerning um, suggestion as well. So what advice do you currently have for pharmacists about what they could do to, uh, in the next two and a half months uh, to challenge or negotiate or bring to light some of these concerns? For them? Well, I think it's, um, yeah, we're at that point where do we cut our losses? I think that there's still a heavy focus on getting this policy changed, but I think the policy has the backing of key industry bodies and the government and, and obviously in the circumstances of, of potentially the, the government and guild disengaging from each other in communications, we need to we need to really prepare to to say from September this this policy is going ahead. This is this is gonna happen. Um so the the discussion needs to be around the communication and, and the engagement. Um 
with the consumers and the patients, as I mentioned, but also with staff. And and I'm I'm concerned with some of the 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 language that's being used in terms of yeah, this is going to impact our you know revenue, and it's going to mean I'm going to need to you know. Uh, remove 30% of my staff or those sort of things. We we don't want our, you know, our talented pharmacy assistants, techs, pre-regs, nuclear pharmacists hearing that sort of terminology. It's going to end up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're going to they're going to bleed from the industry and that's going to compound the the problems especially when the government's saying we we need to step up and do professional services not just dispense. So we 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 need to make sure our communication to internally to staff um it's not catastrophizing the issue. It's it's still focusing on the positives, um, saying we're waiting to hear what these reinvestments will be. We know that the vaping and um, vaccinations are, you know, they're not quite adding up. There, there needs to be a lot more there, and 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 the the minister does seem genuinely interested in making sure that pharmacists are, are doing less dispensing, which I think most pharmacists won't. Uh, you know, uh, average early career pharmacists are not going to disagree or be concerned about doing less uh, dispensing if they're able to do more uh, professional services. So communication and engagement, as, a, as I said, that that flow chart could be easily adapted. You know, it's it's a, it's designed for the residential setting. It could be easily adapted to the community pharmacist setting to, to for pharmacists to have that discussion with with their consumers. And they, you know, they can take that information back to their next GP appointment and then the GP is going to continue 30-day dispensing if they know they're not going to get hassled by the the patient or the patient's family if if they've um if they've done that because it's been justified on a on a financial uh, perspective. Do you have any other advice about how pharmacists can prepare for these changes? I think um, it's it's one of those. Uh, remaining and trying to remain positive and and work out okay well where where does the the business uh where does the community pharmacy network fit in now in the 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 evolving health landscape so we've got these professional value added services um so it's it's making sure that you know it's it's like a band-aid situation i guess is 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 ripping off the band-aid um there'll be some transition changes um ways of doing business ways of providing services but but that is probably something that's at the, the government's basically forcing pharmacy owners and the pharma, community pharmacy network to do that, really adapt their systems to an increasing um, focus on professional value-added services um, and, and things specifically that can actually be um, validated as providing positive health outcomes to, to consumers and customers. So all of these changes affect a lot about age, um, aged care pharmacies, pharmacy, community pharmacies. You've mentioned interns, wholesalers will be impacted, locums, banks, the pharmaceutical industry. I thought I'd ask about your views in general about some of the other stakeholders that might be affected by the announcements. Yeah, the the stakeholders, when, when community pharmacy dispensing revenue is is integrated with so many other elements, particularly in aged care, with the value-added services that's used to fund those value-added services. So we now need to identify how those services can be appropriately remunerated. Um, if the government comes up with that solution, that's great because, yeah, we we probably shouldn't be having a dispensing revenue uh, stream subsidising other value-added services. We need to actually have those value-added services uh, differentiated from, from dispensing and, and funded appropriately. Uh, other stakeholders, things like um, my my farm, my my staff, my clinical pharmacists, they're they're going to be impacted. They're going to suddenly, you know, doing our RMR QM role at the facilities. Suddenly, there's going to be a a bit of a void in some of the 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 
the, the value adds that the community supply pharmacy has been doing, things like stock audits and, and that, I'm, I'm sure that's probably going to fall on my team to, to start doing. Um, the aged care providers, uh, they're either going to be footing the bill to pay for the dose administrated packing or their nurses are going to be um, stuck with the burden of some of these medication management uh, services that the supply pharmacy has been, been supporting the sector with. Um, you know, we've got situations in aged care where, where nurses are, are driving down to a surgery to provide the charts to a doctor to sign and get back. So, I mean, I can I can see nurses getting pulled out of their care, clinical care roles, having to go to the pharmacy um, to get the pack changes done after a doctor's done around and come back. So they, they're going to be taken off the, the, the field. So the, the, the facilities and the providers are going to need to either um, increase their employment of, of nurses um, and, and that's going to be unachievable with the workforce shortages there at the moment. Um, and then, of course, and I think this is probably the, the the hospital network, the increased burden that we could foreseeably project due to 60-day dispensing. This this needs to be a focus for our industry bodies in terms of at a state level because they're obviously funding the, the hospital network. It's if, if we've got 60-day dispensing, one, we've got less oversight for these, you know, routine 30-day oversight for a dispensing pharmacy to maybe pick up interactions, pick up uh, changes that they can see uniquely from their end in doing that dispensing role. Um, but but also things like uh, the loss of facility losing their after-hour service, that just, that service is, you know, it's, it's not, it's not massively utilised by facilities, but in terms of the hospital network, if they don't have that there, they're shipping them straight on an ambulance to the hospital to take up the bed for a few few days. And, and what's that costing the state government? It's, you know, one incident of that occurring because of loss of that after our supply is probably going to cost the same as what 60-day dispensing will have saved the, the taxpayer for that whole 80-bed facility. So there's, there's certain economic rationalism here that needs to be applied to these stakeholders' discussions. Um, and, of course, we've got um, things like, the the focus, you know, those value added services impacting, um, you know, potentially less quality oversight on the services, the packing accuracy, um, potentially increased costs for the, for the patients and 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 the facilities and their medications because uh, these services need to happen, um, but they need to be funded somehow. I guess I'd ask um, as my last question or my last formal question, but um, please suggest more. But I thought I'd ask about your sentiments for pharmacists, I guess, during this time. Well, I guess, and, and I've always been of the opinion that pharmacists um, dispensing should be a part of our role, um, particularly obviously in community retail, but part of the challenge with the workforce we've had in recent years with with the the pharmacy sector is the bleeding of our talent and i think that comes down to the professional satisfaction of our role we've got these people coming out of pharmacy universities um with medication safety expertise and all of these other skills and and attributes and then they're ending up in a pharmacy doing you know 400 scripts a day those those new career pharmacists are going to they're going to they've, they've departed the industry so if we're able to adapt our, our business model, our service model to ensure that, yes, we're providing more value-added professional services to the customer, that in that, by nature is also going to have the add-on effect of improving the, the the job and role satisfaction for those pharmacists who are otherwise, you know, they're going into medical school, they're departing the industry, going to other sectors. Um, obviously, from, from my perspective, I, I can... Um, 
I can tell those pharmacists who are working in retail pharmacies that that we need 800 full-time equivalent um, aged care on-site pharmacists in a very short time frame. And and those on-site aged care pharmacist roles are they're going to be amazing. It's it's going to have the best of both worlds. The 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 traditional retail, you know, customer engagement, those really amazing rapport, we, you know, retail pharmacists build with their customer base. That's going to occur in the aged care setting, but with the residents and their family, that interaction and relationship still there. But then the 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 parts of the job that really attract hospital pharmacists to that setting is, you know, the multidisciplinary interactions, the, you know, GP rounds, and and working in a, in that in that healthcare team environment. That's that's exactly aged care. We'll be you know working closely with the GPs and uh, nurses in in a setting where the the industry is going to welcome those 800 full-time pharmacists in with with open arms. The only challenge up until now has been where do those 800 full-time pharmacists come from, and uh, if there's a if there's less reliance on dispensing in the community pharmacy network, then then we might assume that there there will be a few pharmacists that that will be available for those roles in aged care now. Is there anything that you'd like to share that I haven't asked you about? I think there needs to be there needs to be uh, and this may be go back to your lack of consultation uh, question at the outset is I think there needs to be a reset of how we're approaching. Um, or attempting to approach our discussions with the government. I think there needs to be a, a reset um, in things. There's there's a broader uh, issue at hand. If if the government and the guild are not talking, you know, we've we've got eight six eight CPA coming up, and we've got the location rule sort of much bigger sort of questions on the horizon. So I think it's there's there's a real urgency to make sure that uh, the the key stakeholders are being listened to. Um, and if they're not being listened to, we need to identify why that has occurred. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a key key element of what, what we need to actually address now is maybe look internally about how we've we've approached this as a as an industry. Um, why why was this announcement made uh, without our consultation? Um, and is it the start of things to come? Um, and if that's the case, we need to really work out what what we've been doing wrong um, in terms of our our approach to engaging with with the government and the you know the, the funding bodies um, and make sure that that is rectified before the HCPA uh, comes around. Good advice. Thank you. Thanks, Colin. Talk to you later. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP Podcast and send us a message.